So, today, I want to talk about the book of Acts. No. No, I meant, I meant the, the, uh, the Acts of the Apostles, right? Okay, you see, this book gives us a great picture of the early Messianic community, what they were expecting. We have, yeah, no. No, I mean, I meant what they were expecting from God, uh, and Hashem often shatters our expectations in surprising ways. He really, he really changes our, our frame of mind. Do we have that? At least, no, wow. What is frame of mind? No, I meant, I meant their, their way of thinking, right? And the funny thing is that Hashem is not really doing a new thing, right? These revelations have been revealed before in Scripture. It's just we're often slow to catch up. So we have, no, not slow ketchup, man. Well, that, you know, that is the last time I ask uh, Lloyd to upload the pictures for me. <laughs> He's a, such a punster. <clears throat> but in any event, you know, actually, it's a good thing that those were up there. Uh, because they illustrate what I'm going to talk about today. The pictures were not what you were expecting, Right? Well, you know, to a certain extent, right? So, so what happens when Hashem defies our expectations? How does this change us? So let's begin in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. When they were together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore self-rule to Israel? They're speaking to Yeshua. And he answered, you don't need to know the dates or the times. The Father has kept these under his own authority. But you will receive power when the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, comes upon you. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Yehuda and Shomron, Samaria, even indeed to the ends of the earth. So the expectation here, they're talking to Yeshua, and this is even after all his earthly ministry, right? is that Yeshua would be like an earthly king, and he would give sovereign rule of the land back to the Jews. You see, they were under Roman rule, Roman occupation at this time. Now, Yeshua taught throughout his ministry that his kingdom was a different kind of kingdom. He was not that kind of king. There's actually a song, uh, I don't know if you know this song, you know, Yeshua is not that kind of king. Do you know that song? I think it's Michael Card. You come in power. It's cool. Anyway, um, but it's, it's, it's really a new, a new reality that he was trying to get them to understand. The Messiah was not a political ruler, but he was the usher of a new spiritual reality. In fact, he told them earlier in Mark 8.31 that rather than first rule and reign in any kingdom, he would have to suffer and lay down his life. This was in correlation with the suffering, pro- the suffering servant prophecies in Isaiah. So it's already been foretold. But the disciples, his, his students like us, they were slow to catch up, right? In this season, in this section of Acts, Yeshua patiently reminded them that the kingdom he was inaugurating was not about political self-rule, but about healing, reconciliation, and restoration through the Ruach HaKodesh. This Holy Spirit would be poured out in fullness 
on Shavuot. It would empower the followers of Yeshua to bring his message of restoration and healing all over the earth. So here the disciples start to understand that Yeshua's kingdom is spiritual and not political. But there are still some underlying expectations that God needs to reverse. So, then we come to the outpouring of the Ruach on Shavuot, or Pentecost. Many of the Jews gathered for this feast, um, but they, they were making an assumption, okay? And uh, this is the assumption that they make. They saw this sort of miracle that people were speaking in languages that they didn't know, and they said, oh, well, they must be drunk, And this is how it goes down in Acts 2, verses 14 through 17, and then verse 21. Then Kepha, who is, do you know who Kepha is? Peter, yeah. He stood up with the eleven and raised his voice to address them. You Judeans and all you staying here in Jerusalem, let me tell you what this means. Listen carefully to me. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken about through the prophet Yoel. The prophet Joel already predicted this. And Adonai says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And then skipping down, uh, he gives the whole prophecy and he says, And then whoever calls on the name of Adonai will be saved. Okay, so the expectation, the assumption here is that people are praising Hashem in other languages. They must be drunk with wine, right? But Peter has to remind them that Hashem already predicted what is taking place through the prophet Joel. God would pour out his spirit in fullness and the people would do signs and wonders. And then we come to another shattering of expectations in Acts chapter 3. Kepha, or Peter, he heals a man who was begging and couldn't walk. And the crowds are astounded. They're amazed that this man is now leaping and praising Hashem. And this is after Yeshua's earthly ministry, after he's taken up. So starting in Acts 3.12, this is where we pick up the story. Seeing this, Kepha, or Peter, addressed the people. Men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Right? Or why do you stare at us as if we had made this man walk through some power or godliness of our own? The God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Yeshua. So the people are first amazed and surprised by the healing power of God by just the followers of Yeshua, not, not even Yeshua himself, but his, his students can do these things. And this is especially incredible because Yeshua has he's finished his earthly ministry. The Messiah is ascended in at the right hand of the Father. And these are just his kind of ragtag followers continuing the ministry. The amazing thing is that the disciples can do what Yeshua could do. I'm not even sure the disciples thought that this was possible. Um, but again, the promise was there. Yeshua told them that this would happen. In John 14, 12, he said, Yes, indeed, I tell you, whoever trusts in me will also do the works I do. Indeed, he will do greater ones, because I am going to the Father. So here Yeshua is referencing the fact that he's going to the Father, and he's going to give them the fullness of the Ruach HaKodesh, and then they will do greater works. 
He predicted this before they were just a little slow to catch up, as we all are. In the following chapters in Acts, they shatter even more expectations. In chapter 4, these untrained and unschooled men like Peter and John, Kepha and Yohanan, they teach with authority and they continue to do miraculous healing. And the Torah teachers are blown away by this. In chapter 6, the expectation is that uh, the apostles, the, his followers, will do all the ministry work, right? And this is broken, this assumption, by the established, they actually establish shamashim, they establish deacons like we have. Um, the problem was uh, they were avoiding the, the, the needs of some widows, in this case, in this example, were being overlooked, so they appointed uh, godly people to oversee that. Then there's the expectation of the answer to the following question. This is the biggie. For whom is the gospel? The mindset of the early Messianic community seems to indicate they would answer it like this. The gospel message is for Israel. They were thinking the kingdom of God is only for the Jewish people. Followers of Yeshua have to be Jewish, right? Well... How does Hashem break into this mindset and do some divine reversal? So first, in chapter 8, Philip meets an Ethiopian eunuch on the road. He explains a passage in Isaiah that refers to Messiah Yeshua, and then he is taken up in the Spirit. Now, to understand the significance of this, we have to back up a little bit. Um, how would people, before Yeshua's ministry and before the full outpouring of the Spirit, how would they come into the presence of God? Through the, does anybody know? Through the temple, okay? And the way the temple is set up, eunuchs could not even approach it. They couldn't even come in. And Gentiles can only go as far as the court of the Gentiles. And then you have the court of women, which is as far as Jewish women could go, and then the inner court for Jewish males, and then finally the Holy of Holies, uh, where the presence of God resides uh, in fullness, and where only the high priest could go once a year. So this story about Philip and the eunuch is the beginning of a shift. It's a shift from this sort of system. Access to God is not only for the high priest, not only for the nation of Israel, but for all nations, even or especially for those who are traditionally seen as incomplete, like a eunuch. And this is what it is talking about in Ephesians 2, verses 13 through 16, and uh, Rabbi Dan Juster referenced this as well. It says, But now, you who are once far off, the Gentiles, have been brought near through the shedding of Messiah's blood. For he himself is our shalom, He has made us both one and broken down the mechitza, sorry, which divided us, which is the dividing curtain in in the temple, by destroying in his own body the enmity occasioned by the Torah. This is the the system I was describing with the different courts, the different levels that you could go in. With its commands set forth in the form of ordinances, he did this in order to create in union with himself from the two groups a single new humanity, and thus make shalom, in order to reconcile to God 
both in a single body by being executed on a stake as a criminal, and thus in himself killing that enmity. Right? So God has brought near those who were far off in this old temple system. He has reached out to the nations. He's grafted them into God's people through Yeshua. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves because the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip is, is more like a first fruits, right? It points toward the end goal of the inclusion of the nations and the people of God. So continuing our narrative, in Acts chapter 10, we come to Kepha, or Peter. He has a vision on the rooftop. Essentially, he has a vision of all kinds of unclean foods and, and things that, not just unkosher, but things that no one would eat. And Hashem tells Peter to take it and eat it. And God uses this as a metaphor to get Peter to see that God's salvation and healing and redemption are to go to those who Kepha thought were unclean. He's breaking, a, breaking an assumption in, in Peter, right? And then, and, and Peter is amazed. And then when he does this, when he follows God's instruction and he goes with, uh, goes with Cornelius and he preaches the gospel to the Gentiles, the spirit of God comes upon them just like it did in Shavuot. In, in Acts chapter 2. Uh, and he's amazed. It's like a second, it's almost like a second Shavuot, but this time for the Gentiles. Of course, the prophets predicted this. God's reaching out to the nations through Israel, but the early Messianic community, they didn't quite get it. It took them a while until it was literally upon them, and then they saw it. So to sum up with all of our expectations in Acts and the shattering of all those expectations, here we go. Yeshua, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel by political rule? Actually, my kingdom is about healing, repentance, restoration, salvation, and the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. Okay, I understand that Yeshua's ministry is about this, but uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of over once you go to heaven, right? That's, it's done, you know, your ministry, the healing. The, after that, we're, we're done with that, right? Actually, the fullness of the Spirit, the Ruach, comes only after Yeshua leaves on Shavuot. And his disciples continue his ministry of healing, even doing greater works, so much that people are amazed at the power of God. Okay, okay, so God is going to finish his work restoring uh, only the nation of Israel to himself, right? And then, you know, eventually, a long time from now, maybe get around to healing and restoring the nations. Actually, the fullness of the Ruach will come on the nations now as a fulfillment of the prophecies in the Tanakh. Right, but to be part of God's people, you have to be Jewish, right? You have to be circumcised. Actually... In Acts 15 and Acts 21, they make it clear that while the whole of Torah is required for the Jews, Gentiles can enter into the people of God through Yeshua without conversion. So now, we've come to our expectations today. The question is, are we willing, are we humble enough to allow the Lord to shatter our expectations, to break in and show us what he's doing? It's my, my heart this morning that we dream and pray bigger, 
as a community because nothing is impossible for God. Can God make Messianic Judaism legitimate, a part of Judaism, a part of the Jewish community? Can God do that? Of course. Can God draw Jewish people to himself and to the Jewish Messiah? Absolutely. Can Hashem transform a city with just a small group of people at the corner of Boulevard and Grove? Definitely. Can God do miraculous healings? Can he restore sight to the blind? Can God raise the dead? Can he? Yes. Who wants to pray bigger prayers? Raise your hand if you want to pray bigger prayers. Who wants to let go of the restrictions that we put on the sovereign God of Abraham? Back during the book of Acts, of course, the expectation was that the gospel was for the Jews and not for the nations, and and God had to shatter that. But now, of course, we have the opposite expectation, the opposite assumption. Yeshua is for the Christians, not the Jews. But perhaps the Lord needs to break into this assumption. And what else do we assume? Do we assume that God has done healing and he's done transforming lives today? That these, that these stories from the Bible are too old? That God is, has changed? Do we assume that? Do we assume that God can't use us in his kingdom story? Are we making the same kinds of presumptions that the early community was making in Acts? Well, if we are, there's hope because God shattered their expectations. Although he was not really doing a new thing because he revealed all of his amazing plans, all of these things in the scriptures. So if we want to catch up to what God is doing, perhaps we need to be getting into the scriptures and to find these promises and the actions and the redemption, because he's already said it, that what he's going to do, right? And we should ask the Lord to shatter our expectations with his promises, replace his promises with what we think he can do. And may the Lord shatter our expectations until we see the fullness of what God has for us in our community. Amen? All right. Well, let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, you are so much bigger and so much greater than we could ask or even imagine. And Lord, we pray for your your Ruach to come upon us. We pray that we would look in your scriptures for your promises, that we would pray bigger prayers, that that we would see the things that were happening in Acts, that we would see that even in our days and even in our community, oh God. And we trust you that you can do, you can do it because you love us. B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen.